0: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. Hey there. Thanks for joining us. Welcome into the show. It's our week 16 edition for the regular season. We have made it to Christmas weekend, John. Are you ready? You got all your Christmas shopping done. I know you. You always got something on the menu. So I don't know if you're. Maybe what are you cooking? Are you cooking anything special this week for the family?
1: Yeah, the family, the friends, man. We're, we're, we're we got got some vegans in the family now, so we're gonna make make a nice big, uh, vegetable stew, get getting good winter uh, party stew there going on, and might make some uh, herb, some nice uh, homemade herb loaded bread, and we'll be we'll be good to go. So it should be a fun weekend. Hopefully we can cap it with a win on Monday night.
0: Now I know you're a good cook, but man, vegan—that you know—that tests anyone. Anyone who's trying to cook vegan meals. I know my uh, my wife; she was she was vegan for a time. She's changed her diet a little bit, but when I met her, she was vegan, and I remember that was that was challenging trying to come up with meals and stuff. So seeing some of the stuff you're you're whipping up on Twitter, you're, I'm, I, I trust that you're going to knock it out of the park.
1: We've been we've been in this territory before, so I think we can handle <laughs> it. But. Uh... You're right. You're right. You're very right. There, there is a learning curve involved.
0: Yeah, I hope all the listeners have a great holiday weekend. Don't forget to hit subscribe for us. We appreciate you. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify. Uh, and Saints fans should be they should be pretty happy going into the holiday weekend here, John. Right? I mean, it's just a great time to get the Bucks on your schedule, right? When you need a get right game, when you need to begin a playoff push, getting the Bucks on your schedule in the regular season that seems to be. A good thing for New Orleans, right? It's it's almost gotten predictable. No matter where the Bucks are or where the Saints are in the standings, it's predictable. We already know that the Saints are going to give the Bucks hell, no matter what. It's it's actually getting kind of hilarious.
1: Forget the Jets and, uh, and, exactly. and the Dolphins. It's, uh, it's the, the, the reigning Super Bowl chance are the team they need to play so they can figure out some things and uh, get and shake back. So you know, it, it was very very impressive. Uh, just, just just probably my favorite win of the season so far. All things considered. Just the defensive performance. You know, The defense had no margin for error in this game. With the offense so depleted by injuries and everything, they had all the pressure was on the defense. They just responded so well. They they're were, they were able to pressure Brady. They they covered his receivers well. They made plays. They made stops when they needed them. It was just such an impressive win for the defense. Um, it gives me a lot of confidence here moving, moving down the stretch as the calendar shifts from uh, December into January.
0: I remember us talking about the spread last week. Bucks ten and a half. They were ten and a half point favorites, and we were just like, "How can you not pick the Saints at that line?" That was just like an. I I even talked to Luke Easterling of the Bucks Wire, John, and he was taking the the Saints. He's like, "No way. There's no way the Bucks are beating the Saints by double digits." (laughs) It's just just one of my favorite lines of the year. One of the easiest bets of the year because it's gotten to the point where Tom Brady quits against the Saints. Like he, I thought he kind of quit in that game. Like it looked like the Brady that I saw at the end of his Patriots tenure. Right when. When Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Leonard Fournette, all those guys had to check out of the game with injuries, it was kind of like, well, there's no one on this field, maybe besides Gronkowski, that belongs here. So I'm just going to chuck it out of bounds instead of getting hit. I, I thought that was totally uh, what we were seeing from Brady. I thought he kind of quit and uh, not a good look for him or the Bucks. But there's got to be something that Dennis Allen's doing. He knows something, John, that nobody else does because Brady turns into a puddle when he faces Dennis Allen's defense. Do you have your figure on this? What is Dennis Allen doing with his D that uh, that's baiting Brady into these mistakes, and that just completely has him just literally at the end of that game, just chucking it out of bounds? He was just totally done. He just wanted to get to the locker room.
1: They do not fear Brady like a lot of defenses do, you know, and that's really unique around the NFL because so many of these guys are, you know, they're in their early twenties. Their entire life, Brady has been shredding defenses just like them. And so many teams line up against the Bucks, and they, they feel a level of respect that I think turns fear against a you know, a future Hall of Famer who's won, what, seven Super Bowls now and has all these MVP awards and, and all these accolades and everything. And that gives them pause, and it, it leads them into making mistakes and a lot of self-doubt. And I think the Saints approach it from a totally different attitude where they say that, hey, we, we've been practicing against somebody just as talented as you for 15 years now and we're not afraid of you, and we're, we're going to line up, and we're going to beat you, and that's what they've done here in four out of their five meetings, and um, it's just been so impressive to see. It, for, for Dennis Allen specifically, he, the defense he has has exactly the type of personnel that he needs to execute his plan, and what he's doing is he's, he's disguising pressure, which is not easy to do against someone like Brady who has, you know, he's seen a thing or two <laughs> over over these uh, 20-odd years in the no NFL. Doubt. It's, it's a very experienced group. They're hard to fool this Buccaneers team led by Brady, uh, they're, they're not afraid of him. And that, is, that allows them to trust each other, trust, trust the the play call, and stick to their assignments and go out and execute. And they've done that at a, at a very high level.
0: The defense was amazing in this ballgame, especially when you run through some of the stats. I mean, this is one of my favorite box scores of the season across the entire league. Because if I were to read these stats to you, John, and you hadn't watched the game, you, there was no way you would have picked the Saints to win, right? Right. If I told you that Taysom Hill, he's not going to throw or rush for a touchdown in the ball game, and I would tell you that AK piles up 46 scoreless yards in the ball game, and the Saints go three for 16 on third down, 0 for two in the red zone. They actually only get 11 first downs in the whole game and 212 net yards of offense. If I told you that, you probably would have said, "There's no way the Bucks are the Bucks won." Maybe the Bucks covered that spread, right? But I, I just don't know. There's no way to describe this game. The Saints winning. Against the Super Bowl champs, the presumptive league MVP, the best scoring offense in NFL, all that. Other than that, the Saints have crawled right up in the heads of Brady and Arians, right? I mean, we've talked about that—the voodoo thing, the mental thing. The Saints are up in those in those guys' heads, right? There is—you could just see it on their faces. It is just like the Bucks are just like zombies on the sideline, and the Saints are just laughing it up on their end. It's—they know it. Both both sides know it. The Saints know they're up in that head, right? That's got to be it.
1: You look at. Uh, Brady, and it, it's kind of a cliche, but he doesn't like to be hit. He doesn't like to be knocked down. He doesn't like to be sacked. And when that happens over and over and over again, as it did in this game, that's going to wear, wear wear on him. And he, he's going to, to get shaken up and lose confidence in what he's seeing on the field. And he's going to get you know pressured into making mistakes. And that's what we saw. The, the, the play that really sticks out to me is – where Marcus Davenport pressures and Cameron Jordan hits him from behind and and forces a fumble. On the next possession, that was whenever he threw that interception to C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who who baited him into that throw by allowing the the receiver to get a step or two on him, and then then he closed and broke on the route as soon as he saw Brady go that way. That doesn't happen if Brady is not pressured all throughout the game leading up to that. That, I mean, that's something that someone who – you know, is as experienced as he is. They see that coming. They they know better than to try the be in that situation. The, the ball goes somewhere else. But because he had been he had been you know caught footed here and had been had been run, running for his life for much of the evening, uh, he he made a mistake that he normally would not have, and that
2: made all the difference.
0: Yeah, we'll keep picking away at this game and and what's going what it means for the Saints moving forward in our questions of the week. Right after this,
2: this is the typical sportsbook fantasy minute. Let's make this interesting.
3: Welcome to week 16 of the fantasy football season. I'm Corey Benini of the huddle.com. Let's go through some strong plays to help get you into the championship round quarterback Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals versus Baltimore Ravens. The last time these teams met was in week 7 in Baltimore, and Burrow exploded for 416 yards on a trio of touchdown strikes. However, he's coming off his worst showing in more than a month and it's understandable gamers are a little bit nervous. He has a get-right game against a Ravens secondary that has been hampered by injuries and is even weaker than it was the last time they met. Look for another huge showing from the 2020 number one overall pick. Running back James Robinson, Jacksonville Jaguars at New York Jets. Another highly talented player who's been a little bit shaky over recent weeks, Robinson has a matchup that is elite. The Jaguars are committed to Robinson now that Urban Meyer isn't in the picture, and it should only get better in Week 16. Running backs have averaged the third most yards on the ground against this defense in 2021, and no team has given up more than 16 rushing touchdowns behind the 23 allowed by the Jets. There's a huge opportunity for a late season surge from the second year back. Green Bay Packers wide receiver Alan Lazard versus Cleveland Browns. In Week 14, it was Lazard who functioned as the number two target for Aaron Rodgers. Last Sunday, it was Marquez Valdez Scantling, leaving the former Cyclone to finish the day with 20, Three yards on two catches. He should have had a touchdown in the fourth quarter, but Rodgers overshot him. On Christmas, Lazard might be in position to deliver a big game with MVS on the COVID list, although a speedy teammate could clear the protocol so keep tabs on the situation. Lazard is an interesting risk-reward option thanks to the consistent double teams on Devontae Adams, just as long as Marquez Valdez-Scantling isn't in the picture. Noah Fant tight end Denver Broncos at Las Vegas Raiders. Drew Locke is likely to start for the injured Teddy Bridgewater. The Broncos really can't get much worse in the passing game, but we like Fant to finish in the top five among his positional mates. Fant has posted 50-plus yards in consecutive games, and he has at least four catches and 50-plus yards in three of the last five. He hasn't scored since week six, but that came against this matchup. Play Fant if you don't have a clearer option for more points, but the matchup is among the best of the week. Best of luck getting to the championship round. And have a Merry Christmas. For award-winning tips, news, information, and advice, please be sure to check out thehuddle.com.
2: That was your Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com slash podcast. Ask. See for terms and conditions, 21-plus-only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero 4700 in Colorado.
0: All right, so that part of the show are questions of the week. It's a little lightning round for John, three questions that he hasn't been prepped on. And, uh, and And here's what, let's start here, John, you know, kind of going off of this game. I mean, I think one reason I talked about how I thought Brady kind of quit in that second half and there's no other really way to put it. I don't think he believed in Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller and who's that Jalen Darden, whoever the hell he was trying to throw the ball to. He just doesn't believe in those guys. He's not going to get crushed time after time after time by the saints trying to complete to these guys. So he's just like, forget it. But I also thought that he was also uh, upset that, you know, I think they knew that Chris Godwin was seriously hurt. And that's a huge blow to that team, that offense, Chris Godwin being out for the year with an ACL. Uh, we see it all the time. All these star players going down. It, it sucks. And, the The Bucks trying to make a, a another playoff run without Chris Godwin uh, is going to be really tough for them. There's been some talks, right? The Bucks fans aren't happy that the, there was some carnage in this game. The head coach doesn't seem uh, happy with you know these tackles around the knees, around the thighs. Uh, people are calling the Saints dirty, John. So are the Saints dirty? Do you do you buy into that, or do you think they're just playing football the way that football is done right now?
1: Something that Bruce Arians admitted himself is. That we we put such an emphasis on defending the helmets and the heads in this game now that guys are overcorrecting and they're they're going low instead of high, and that's leading to more knee injuries. It's leading to more ankle injuries, uh, and and it's really unfortunate. But that, that's just the reality of the sport, you know. If if you if you say you can't attack the head, then you got in, in attacking high, then you got to go low. And if you go, and then if you say, well, we can't do that either, well, what do you do? I mean, do do you, do you try and go for like a center of mass, which is the easiest way for an opponent to break a tackle, it, it seems like. I don't. I don't think there is a solution to it because you know football is by nature it's a violent sport, and you're going to have in- injuries, and it's just it's just going to happen. It's, it's really unfortunate to see some of the high profile players hurt for Tampa Bay. That's just the nature of the game these days. Players get hurt every every single time two teams kick off, and you, you just hope they're able to return to good health. But until you know we give up contact uh, football and start playing fly football. So instead it, this is going to keep happening. Um, saying so that just as well, when they lost uh, James Winston earlier this year. So it's a tough problem. I understand the frustration, but just looking at it as, Oh, well, this is just a dirty team. And that, that's really short. sighted to me.
0: Yeah. It's a, it's a tough problem. And I think we were talking before. We're glad we don't have to try to figure out the solution because it's, uh, you know, what do you do? You know, how, how do you tackle if you're not going at the thighs and around the knees? I, I I'm not sure. That's that's a tough one to solve. All right. Question number two. Uh, what was your favorite Mad Brady moment from Sunday night's game, John? There's a few moments <laughs> that were caught on camera that you could choose from. What was your favorite?
1: Yeah, I, I lean instinctively towards him uh, tommahawking the, the, the Microsoft <laughs> tablet. Um, like a 12-year-old. The, yeah. 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 It, 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 well, looking like my six-year-old nephew throwing a <laughs> exactly. fit. Yeah. Um, 6 months old excuse me. He's just out. He's just out out, out there. Uh, not not looking like a forty four year old multimillionaire. He, he he just looks like a big baby. And then the uh, the other moment too would be he, when him uh try, after he throws that interception to a uh, CD Duke, he jogs over to the same sideline. Uh, one of the assistant coaches claps at him, and he he starts him up and down. And, and yeah. that that that's great too. It's just a total meltdown. I um, love that. Yeah. 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 Some, somebody just to see him just lose all of dignity in that situation is fantastic. I, I love. I truly love to see it. There were for, for someone who enjoys being a Brady hater. Uh, there, there were there was a lot of um, opportunities that, to to have fun in this game.
0: Yeah, and it was C.J. Gardner Johnson who did the uh, the arms folded pose that actually got Brady laughing.
1: Flex, flex up at him. Yeah,
0: yeah. the flex. So well, Brady actually laughed, at, and I that that one got me. I think that was my number one mad Brady moment because he was trying to be pissed, but then he just realized he's like. Oh god, I can't I can't beat you guys. And he just kind of he just kind of he let the wall come down for a minute there and he actually laughed. CJ CJ uh, got him laughing. So I thought that was that was pretty good. But yeah, there's there's lots of uh Mad Brady moments. Saints Wire captured that very well. I think there's a photo gallery out there on Saints Wire that is pretty fun. So folks should uh, definitely go and check that thing out. Okay, question number 3. The Saints uh well, they were the number 7 seed for the playoffs before this uh these Tuesday night games, John, but now we're recording on Wednesday morning. It looks like the Saints have gone down to the nine seed, but they're they're right there in the mix. Do you feel like after this this victory over the Bucs, because a lot of us were kind of trying to play with the playoff simulator, expecting this to be a loss, right? But now that they've beaten the Bucs, do you think they're destined to actually make the playoffs and be a sneaky little team that, that nobody wants to face? Maybe they'll make a run, right? They got the Dolphins at home this week, Panthers at home. Panthers aren't playing very well right now. They've lost four in a row. Falcons on the road, that's always a scary one. It's probably the scariest one left. But they got three games that are winnable. What do you think? Are they destined to make the playoffs, and, and are we going to be talking about them in January now?
1: Back in October, I felt like this team's future was for them to get into the playoffs as a wild card, beat some team on the road, like the Cowboys or the Cardinals, and then and then get knocked out in the second round. So and it seems like we're right on track for that. They, they've got some work to do. They, they cannot afford another loss. It's that simple. The Eagles have an easier path to the playoffs than the Saints, do. They're in the mix. They're, they're the eighth seed, and the Vikings are the seventh seed. If Minnesota can just hold on to it, they'll, they'll get in, and uh, Philly and New Orleans will be left on the outside. So the Saints, they, they do not control their own destiny at this point, but they've got to keep stacking up wins and control what they can control here through these final three weeks, and that means beating Miami at, at, and Carolina at home they go going to Atlanta to close out the regular season and uh, see if they can come away with a win.
0: All right, well, we know that the Saints are favored. They're playing on Monday night against Miami. We'll get into that spread and make a pick right after this.
2: This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting.
1: What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast presented by Sportsbookwire.com. I'm here with my homie Nathan Beagle to break down this week's Sunday night football game between the Washington football team and the Dallas Cowboys. Our friends at Typico Sportsbook have the Dallas Cowboys favored 9.5 points and the total sitting at 47.5. I'm on the under 47.5 here. This is a pros versus Joes game as more money has been on the under, but more bets have been placed on the over. Typically in sports betting, it's wise to follow the money, especially when it's counter to the public. Also, Cowboys' offense has regressed. They've hit the under in seven of the last eight games, and
3: Washington's offense just isn't that good. They've hit under in seven of the last nine games. Nate, how are you betting this Washington-Dallas game? I'm rolling with Dallas by 10 or more. Washington is still banged up, has players on the COVID list, and has the league's second-worst third-down conversion rate. For opponents with dallas tied at 11 and 3 for the best covering teams in the league i'd rather bet against them than for them also they started up 24-0 in these two teams first matchup give me dallas by 10
2: that was your typical sportsbook minute for a limited time new users in colorado and new jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast that's usatodaybet.com slash podcast Typico.com for terms and conditions. Twenty one plus only. Gambling problem? Call one Gambler in New Jersey. One 4700 in Colorado.
0: All right, John. Looking at Typico, the Saints at least opened early in the week at three as three and a half point favorites Monday night at home against Miami. Uh, give me a quick update on the injury front, right? It seems like New Orleans starting to turn a corner there, which is which is a good sign. Maybe the Saints are going to get healthy uh, at the perfect time, just like that Buccaneers game came in the schedule at the perfect time.
1: Let me see here. So with the injury situation, the Saints didn't have anyone go down during that game uh, at Tampa Bay. Uh, very, very fortunate. Uh, but they were without both of their bookends starting, you know, all pro starting offensive tackles. That's uh, Ron Armstead on the left side, Ryan Ramchick on the right. Uh, Ramchick has not played in more than a month. Armstead was able to return to play the Jets, and then he went back down the next week. So you got to hope that with the extra day of rest for this Monday night game, that the Saints will be able to get one or both of those guys back in the lineup you can get get them some extra rest and hope they can come in for, for this next three-game stretch. Hopefully we'll get to playoffs after that. But on the other side of the ball, there are several players on the injured reserve list who are eligible to return. Now we'll have to wait and see if they're actually well enough to get the green light and return to, to work. Uh, but the first round's racking. aiden Turner, he, he's been eligible to return for a few weeks now. Hopefully he with some more rest, he'll be able to uh, get back in, get back into the rotation. And another pass rusher the Saints added in free agency, Antonio Passagnon. He is also eligible to return after this week. So those are two names I'm watching on the on the IR. Hopefully, they can come back, uh, add some more firepower to a Saints pass pass rush that seems to be waking up right now.
0: This is a this is an interesting team, the Dolphins. Right, they're a team that that lost seven straight games at one point this season but they've also won six straight and that's their current win streak. They've won six in a row during this streak. They've been holding opponents to 13 points per game. The saints are only averaging 18.7 offensive points per game over the last three weeks. So, uh, you know, while the dolphins don't look great on paper by any means, but they're actually kind of hot right now. They could make it hard for new Orleans, uh, especially a new Orleans team that's struggling to score. Maybe some of these guys coming back could help, you know, I'm not, we talked about uh, Camara, not having a huge offensive game and, and I think I know why, right? Because it's hard to run, It's hard for even the the best running backs in the league to run against Tampa Bay. They're so good against the run. Their linebackers are so quick. You're better off throwing it to your running backs. And and Taysom just can't throw that short pass to Camaro, right? He just can't figure that thing out. So uh, hopefully Taysom can fix that accuracy thing on those on those short balls because he, he was chucking it all over the place. But what do you think about their matchup specifically against this Dolphins defense? Do You think they can find a little bit more room? I mean. We can't we can't keep scoring nine points. <laughs> like, that's not gonna win. That might win you like one out of hundred games of the NFL scoring nine points. So it's like we we gotta, you know, we gotta like we gotta score some points. How do you think they're gonna be able to fare against this this Dolphins squad?
1: Yeah, speaking specifically to the Miami defense, that that's not a that's not a great matchup. Their, their strength seems to be in their secondary, and they, they don't have and you know any elite pass rushers or anything like that, but the face offensive line is so beaten up. It might not matter. Um, they need to find ways to get Alvin Kamara uh, going. And then, honestly, a big part of that problem is Taysom Hill. You know, he was not throwing, you know, very many catchable balls on Sunday night. And Kamara was, he was getting open. He, he was lining up uh, in some very creative uh, spots. Uh, he, he was running some pretty, pretty impressive routes there. And Taysom just was not throwing him a good football. He was not leading him into it. He's not hitting Kamara and Frye. Um, they, they, those two really struggled to get a connection going. And I have to think Taysom's, um, you know, the the, uh, the the big old split tied to the middle finger on his throwing hand has to be playing it's a problem. Sure, it has to be yeah. playing a part in that problem. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not sure that the Saints' offense will have much more success against Miami as it currently stands. But if they can get either of those bookend tackles, it's not both of them back in the mix. Uh, to me, that drastically raises their odds of having a strong game here. Now, the matchup that does concern me the most here would probably be the Miami offense against the Saints defense, because they run many of the same read option plays that the Eagles had a ton of success with uh, with Jalen Hurts not too long ago against the Saints, where they're, they're challenging the Saints defense front to read the play and react to it. And that's not something that they've done a good job in responding to uh, lately. So that, that gives me some pause in this matchup. Um, it's going to be it's going to it's going to be challenging for New Orleans
0: tough one to predict. I mean, Saints are three and a half point favorites. Uh, that's a tough one. I don't know how to back either side on that. I, I think this easily could be a field goal kind of game at the end. I think it'd be a tough, low scoring kind of game. I would maybe look at the Saints money line, minus 170. That that might be a decent look for people looking to bet the game, Saints fans. Because uh, I think the Saints have the edge at home, but now I'm looking at the total, John. The total tumbled all the way down to 39 and a half. Maybe that has to do with you know, kind of two you know, two struggling offenses maybe here, but you know, how low do we want to go if we're looking to bet the under? I think it'll be low scoring, but thirty nine and a half is is one of the lower lines I've seen for a game this year. So, so what do you think about that total? Do you think there'll be some points scored?
1: Uh, the Saints are not going to get any help at receiver. Their tight ends are what they are. Well, well, they could be up without Jawan Johnson, who went on the COVID list uh, on Tuesday. So they, they've, they've got some some more absences to work around going to be tough but you know having seen how well the defense played against brady i have to think that some of that momentum is going to carry through to this week and i like the Saints
0: to win this one. yeah me too i think my play would probably be the money line so that's where we'll that's where we'll leave it saints dolphins a chance to uh continue a little late season playoff push we're here for it john uh i hope you and the fam have a, a very happy christmas and a great holiday weekend my man
1: happy holidays to you and the family and uh Hopefully we can come
0: back recap a win next week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll be we'll be toasting to the new year next week. Hopefully off of Saints win. And to all our listeners again, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Have a great holiday weekend. We will catch you next time.